Well, did y'all have a great Thanksgiving? Some people said, well, I had not such a good Thanksgiving. Different things happened. We understand that. Some people lost. There was an empty chair that wasn't there filled last year. And we know that's a, that's a heavy lift. But listen, while we're here, what should we do? We should give thanks to the God who give us another Thanksgiving to spend together with family, friends, or even if you're with uh, people you don't even know. Uh, we, we have opportunity to make new friends, but we, in everything we give thanks. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Luke today. We're still in this whole Meet Jesus series, but we're going to go back to his birth, or this is pre-birth, and we're going to meet him. And the new... King James, I think the King James says it, guided by the day spring's light. talks about a day spring. Have you ever heard that uh, song? I think the Gaither vocal band sang it. It was called uh, Day Spring Shine Down on Us. Day Star Shine Down on Us. All right. The day star, day spring, is just means simply this, God's light. Your Bible, when we read it in just a moment, if you have an NIV or other, it's going to say, it's going to say sunrise or let the sun shine. It'll have different translations, meaning the light from heaven. That's what it means. Let me give you the cliff notes. It just simply means Jesus. That's what it means, all right? So let's look into the Word of God uh, together. Luke chapter 1, and there's some background that you need to know if you haven't read this in a while, that we're going to find out about Zechariah today, or Zacharias, and the spelling might be a little bit different. So if you see misspelled words up there, it might not be misspelled just the way the Bible different translations have it. So you can spell it three different ways. And I want you to see in the scripture, go to your notes first before we read the scripture. In our scripture today, we take a look at the life of Zechariah, or part of his life. His name means God remembers. God remembers. Isn't that funny for a man who was named that when he was a child, and he couldn't have any children. His wife couldn't have any children. She had the issue. He didn't necessarily have the issue that we know of. They're getting well advanced in their age. He and his wife Elizabeth served God faithfully all their lives and had no son. I put a note in it for you to note that the Hebrews believed if a woman could not have children, she and her husband were not blessed by God. Now, could you imagine being a priest serving daily, regularly, on behalf of God, representing God to the people? And people said, well, you don't have any children, do you? You're telling me that we're blessed by God, but who are you to tell me? Because you don't have any children of your own. And they used to think that there was something wrong with you, that you sinned against God if you were barren. So here you have a priest and his wife. The Bible calls them righteous, meaning they were right before God, yet they had no children. So therefore, in their culture, they were actually, yes, we have to respect you because of your title, but we know deep down you're not blessed by God because there's something going on in your life. You ever had anybody judge you like that? Oh, we know something's up because we always see your wife, never your husband. We always see your husband, never your wife. Your children never attend, and, and they, they can fill in the blank. People can always judge you from the outside looking in, can't we? I say we because we all can do it. Amen? And now we do it secretly at our homes, behind doors, secret places, because we can text it now. We can actually judge with our fingers and send it to the whole world uh, for the whole world to see and, and pass judgment without actually knowing what's going on. Was Zechariah, or Zacharias, and Elizabeth being punished by God? No, God had a specific plan for them, and they had to wait. And many times, I know, I can imagine, and you might be waiting in that waiting period. If you're waiting upon the Lord, you go, Lord, how much longer do I have to wait? They're probably in their 80s now. Do you want to wait that long? Many of us don't want to wait. We want it now, right? I told you, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, every place that we go to now is just put a number one up there. Anybody ever order by numbers? You never actually say the food that you want? 
I want a number one with a sweet tea or number five with whatever, and you and your Dr. Pepper, you go down and just order by numbers. You never even see the food anymore. We've gotten so far from the actual animal living in the farm. When we, uh, Macy talked about a lamb, some kids might be like, ugh, you ate lamb for supper? Poor little lamb, right? We've separated ourselves from it and just made it convenient. If you're not careful, we can do the same thing with Christmas. When we talk about Jesus and we talk about he, him coming, he actually did come. And it can't, it's not just a story that we tell in December. This is a life we live January through December. And when we tell the story, we remind ourselves of the songs and the scriptures of Christmas. These two, listen, we've got to go and pick up Zechariah's name. What does it mean? God remembers. And did God remember them? Yes, he did, because he had a very specific person that was coming through their lineage. Remember, this man had to be a forerunner of Jesus Christ. It was prophesied that he was coming. And even Zechariah, I'm sure he preached when he talked, because he talks about the prophets. He's preached or taught as a priest, hey, there is a forerunner coming, and he's going to come before the Messiah. He had to teach that over and over for years and years and years. And guess what? He was actually talking about his own son, and he had no idea. He had no idea because he's surprised when it actually happens. He is excited because he served for so many years as a priest in this small, humble village area. And this, we need to go back and read the story before the story. So today's passage is Luke chapter 1, verse 67 through 80. But we need to go back to the back story. And I want you to turn back over to Luke chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 5. Verse 5, Luke 1, 5, if you would. This gives us the backstory to understand, and I'm sure he was excited because you only got to do this one time in your life when you were a priest. It's that roll call that I get to go in the presence of the Holy of Holies. I get to go behind the curtain to offer before the Lord an incense. I get to go behind the curtain that one special time. And you know, you can't help but know that he knew because we're going to see some people gather when the priest would go into Holy of Holies, there was a bit of an excitement. They might have they must hear from God, or there was always that fear. If he has sin in his life, he might not come out, right? And so there's this excitement of Zechariah going into the Holy of Holies, and I'm sure he's very excited about it, still wondering, Lord, how come I don't have a son? Let's pick up in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So both of them come from the high priestly line, if you will. They were perfect for this job. Her family was priest, and his family were priests all the way back to Aaron. They could trace their lineage. And they were both righteous. Don't miss this. Circle that in your Bible if you, if you make notes in your Bibles. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was bearing and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to him burn it, to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were, were praying outside at the hour of incense. The people were excited. There's a, the priest is making communion with God. There's this connection they're going to have. There's a worship experience. What's happening? Everyone's excited. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. That's putting it lightly, isn't it, in the English language? He was scared to death. Every time we encounter, we see in the Bible someone encounters a, an angel, a holy angel, 
or they encounter the angel of God, which is a pre-incarnate Jesus, they tremble and start to faint or they fall because they're in the presence of holiness. You say, well, I wouldn't stand there and talk to him. No, you wouldn't. Because you're a sinful being, you would fall down just like Zacharias is prepared to do. He's fearful. He's afraid of what's happening. He knows there's something supernatural. And I'm sure in his heart of hearts, before he pulled the curtain to go in, he's like, I would love to have an encounter with God when I go in there. I want to go pure. We know that he went, he had all the commandments up, right? The Bible tells us he was, he was up to date, if you will, with his vaccinations of commandments, right? He, 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 he was prepared. He was going in to offer incense. And here he goes in. He sees an angel. And the Bible says he's troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. What prayer, church? He hasn't, we don't have a record that he prayed yet. We, but we know what he prayed. Even though it didn't tell us what he prayed, what did he pray? Lord, give me and Elizabeth a son. All we're, all we're asking for our whole life, we serve you, Lord. We trust you, but we don't have a son. In our culture, Lord, it's shameful that we don't have a child because we're the priests, Lord. We, there, there's an expectation. All the other priests, their sons are running around outside while we're in here working. Lord, Give us a son. We know that was his prayer because the angel of the Lord says, your prayer has been answered. And we'll see how do we know that to be true. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name, what church? John, this is very important. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. That's from Micah 4, 5 and 6. And the disobedient to wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to this angel, to the angel, how shall I know this? Doesn't that sound like us men? And Gabriel said, duh, I just told you. That's what, that's what it should say, right? I just told you what's going to happen. I just told you God has favored you. I just told you God's heard your prayer, and you're going to ask me how? And no, the children, some are still here, but uh, he didn't go through the explanation of how. He just told him he's going to have a child. Verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't miss those important parts from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He said, how can this be? Verse 18, and Zechariah said, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and who is sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, side note question. Is Elizabeth pregnant yet? No, she's not pregnant. This is a prophetic word from an angel. The angel is speaking on behalf of God. You will have a child. All right, and she's going to carry the child full nine months. You're going to see. So what's going to happen to him? Let's make sure we're on the same page. Zechariah is a righteous man. Zechariah is a man who stands before the God, before our God, offering incense. Zechariah has the angel Gabriel make an appearance to him and tell him, "You will have a son. Your wife's going to have a son 
in full time. What's Zechariah's problem? He's been in church too long, right? What's our problem sometimes? You know the truth. You know the Christmas story. It gets old hat. We just sing, oh, come, all you faith. We just sing the songs over and over. And if we're not careful, we get used to the season, and we talk more about Santa Claus than we do about Jesus Christ. This is not a fairy tale. This is the redemption that you and I have, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment. We're excited that God came to earth, God with us, Emmanuel. We sing his name, but sometimes we act like we don't believe that Jesus, God, really came to this earth. You know how I know that? Because how many people are talking about his return, that he's coming again? If you got any clue at all about the things of what's going to happen before the Lord Jesus Christ returns, the rapture of the church, let me clue you in. I believe he's coming real soon. Now, you say, well, the last days have been preached. Peter said, hey, there's people going to mock you and say, oh, they've been saying that for a long time. Jesus has been dead and resurrected over 2,000 years, right? Three days later, he rose again, just as he said. It's been over 2,000 years since he went back and ascended to heaven. But here we are still preaching the same truth that he's coming again. Every time we do the Lord's Supper, we remember that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and three days later, he rose again. Every time we do the Lord's Supper, we remember that he's coming again. Amen? And so it's a twofold ordinance that we do in the church. Well, let's continue to pick up. He's going to be mute. He can't speak until this thing is fulfilled. Verse 22, of, excuse me, 21. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned them and he remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. And now after those days... His wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people, or this people, our friends, our people who live in the village, the people who live in the town. God has taken my reproach away. And we see, obviously, the conception of John the Baptist there. She hides for, nine, for five months. Verse 26, we'll get this in a couple weeks. Mary comes to visit. Mary shares with Elizabeth, what's going on? And let me jump to verse 57. So we'll cover this next week or the week after. Now Elizabeth's time, what did your Bible say? Was full. Or Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. What's full time for a lady to be full delivered? Nine months. How long has Zechariah been silent? Ladies, wouldn't that be peaceful? Husband can't talk for nine months. All he's doing is writing stuff down or signaling for things. He can't correct you. He can't. He can't do anything. He can't, no, that's not right. He's quiet for nine months. Nine months and eight days, actually. Let's look and see. How you say, how do you know that? When her neighbors, verse 58, and relatives heard how the Lord has shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Can Zechariah rejoice? Yes. Can he do it out loud? It's like this. Right? He's, a de- he's deaf. Or he's mute, excuse me. Uh, verse 59. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, which was the Jewish custom, that they have called him by his name, his father's name, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have called him. And they, this is the sign today in American Sign Languages. What? Do it. What? Never try it. Like this. What? His. You don't, there's no his. What? His name. 
Try it. Now, I'm sure they didn't speak American Sign Language, but they had some way that they signaled to the actual uh, Zechariah to say, what's his name? What's your name, the boy? What's his name? What's it? I mean, there was some kind of signal. And watch what happens. This is, this is the beautiful part. It shows you he was a very well-versed man. They get to the art. The folks that are rejoicing with him are upset that she wants to name him John. Immediately, his, uh, verse 63, and as he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is, what church? John. So they all marveled, like, wow, I guess his name is John. Elizabeth was right. <laughs> Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, praising God. The very first thing he does is praise God. Then Pharaoh came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. If you look at the what he's not going to take and not going to cut his hair, he's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to be dedicated to the Lord. John the Baptist is an Old Testament prophet. We read about him in the New Testament, but the New Testament does not become fulfilled until Jesus dies on the cross, is buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scripture. So John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. Well, now we can transition to today's passage, verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was, what does your Bible say? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, there is no more room for anything in his life. He's filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit. The Bible also talks about Elizabeth, and guess what's happening to her? She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what happens to John from birth? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you think God has a plan for this family? God is doing something special that no one can explain. Everybody's marveling and rejoicing, saying, what is going on? Something special about this child. Maybe even some people said, this is the Messiah because he was miraculously born. There's no way older folks like this should have a child. Maybe this is the Messiah. Something's happening with this child. Everybody knew something was unique with John. And they would have called him Zacharias if they had a choice. But they didn't have a choice because the angel Gabriel had spoken on behalf of God and said his name shall be called John. Well, here he is full of the Holy Spirit. Watch what he does right out of the chute, right out of the gate. What does he say? Verse, verse 68, what does your Bible say? Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness for him all the days of our life. And you, child, he's pointing to John now, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. By the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And finally we read verse 80. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel. Now, let me go down your notes as quick as I possibly can to show you some things that come out of this. We know that Zechariah's name means what? God remembers. Now go to your notes. Zechariah was 
filled with the Holy Spirit. And there he prophesied. He spoke on behalf of God. He said, listen, I have a word. Now he's transitioning from a priest. Remember I told you before, a priest did what? He would listen to the people. And on behalf of the people, he would have, if you will, relations with God. He would actually offer up those sacrifices, those offerings, those burnt offerings. The priest stood between the people and God. The prophet stood between God and the people. The prophet said, thus saith the word of God. The prophet would say, God has spoken. The prophet was very much like the angel Gabriel. He was sent as a messenger saying, you better straighten up. Usually it was a warning. Get this right or bad things are going to happen or God's bringing judgment. It was always a word from God. But here we find a priest who hears from the people, speaks to God, has now been spoken to by an angel and by God, and now is prophesying back to the people. He's got a dual role. He said, well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We can actually put everything in pigeonholes in our life, can't we? This belongs here. The square goes in the square hole, right? Sometimes I've got news for you. God will shave the corners off a square and stick it right in a round hole. Amen? You ever had to do something you didn't want to do? Had to serve in a capacity you didn't want to serve? Had to say something you didn't want to say? But God has chosen you as that person to be the spokesperson for your friends, for your family, for your coworkers, for your retired group. You're that person. And God will constantly knock off the edges of us just like he did Zacharias. Zacharias was a bit doubting when the angel Gabriel told him, you're going to have a son and he's going to be the forerunner of the, of, the, of the Messiah. Now, could you imagine, put yourself in that situation. He was excited about serving before the Lord. He was righteous. He, was, he had all the commands checked. He was living right. And now God put this monster task on him saying, you're going to become a father. And not just a father, you're going to become a father of the forerunner of Jesus Christ. That's a heavy lift. And you can imagine, it's like when Wendy had cancer, she said, hey, I want to do that anointing with oil thing. Yeah, Wendy's very theologically astute when it comes to that, right? I want to do that anointing with oil thing. James chapter 5 is what she referenced. I want to be anointed with oil so that I might be healed. And as her husband, it was weird. I don't have a problem doing it for anybody else, right? Anybody that asks, we do it. But when my wife asked me, I'm like, this is personal now. This is different. This is, it felt different. Still want to do it because she's a church member because she's a part of the family of God. But when my wife asked me, now it gets real, right? Even more real in a different way. It's always real to me. Same thing when Zacharias is preaching, preaching, preaching. And now the angel said, you're going to be the father of the forerunner of Jesus Christ. How? Right? And he didn't ask like Mary did. When Mary said, how can these things be? She was saying, I don't understand fully how this is going to happen. But let it be unto me as you have said. Zacharias asked it as an old man who knows something, right? I, my theology is straight. I've been around for a long time. How? And because he doubted with his how, he received his, if you will, be quiet for nine months and eight days. But we're going to go to your notes. I want you to see this. First thing he did, he revered God and brought him glory. First thing he did was... What's the, what, when Jesus told us this, we know when Jesus was an older man and when he was preaching, he said, you want to fulfill the greatest commandment is what? Everybody take your finger and listen in case you need a refresher reminder. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as you love yourself. What's our problem today? People want to do like this, right? Love me. What's wrong with everybody else? When a preacher says, hey, God told me this past week. And you're like, how did God tell you anything? You ever had anybody tell you that God spoke to them? Does God speak to you? 
Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, you should hear from God on a regular basis. Unless you're in sin, not saved. You say, well, how can I hear from God? All you have to do is open this word. Did you know that Zacharias had doubts? Do you have doubts? Do you have fears, anxieties, hang-ups, hold-ups, pick-ups, put-downs, whatever it might be? When you come to where you are in your life and you take yourself and say, Lord, I can't believe you did that for him. I'm so amazed that you did that for him. What does the Lord seem to say back to you? Whatever miracle you need in your life, what do you need from God? Jesus said we don't have because we don't want. Ask. Well, I could never ask him about that little thing in my life. Is there anything large in, before God? Is there ever a large problem that God has? It, answer me. Is there, is there anything too large for God? Is there anything too small for God? Does he measure large and small? No. He measures everything in your life and my life through his love lens. The Bible says God is love. And everything in your life, small to you or great to you, God is there saying, I'm with you. All you need to do is ask me. Now, sometimes he says, yes, I'll get you out of that. I'll fix that. Sometimes he says, no. Sometimes he says, wait, like he told Zacharias, waiting for years and years and years. Lord, are you going to do this or not? I'm going to die with the reproach of never having a son. My name, my lineage is never going to go forward. Lord, are you going to do this thing? And the answer was, yes, God remembers I'm going to do this thing for you. Gabriel knew, Gabriel knew that God knew, didn't he? Because he tells him, hey, your prayer has come before God. He knows about what you're asking for. Don't quit asking, but here's the deal. It's about to be fulfilled. You're about to get the answer to your prayer. And then he asks how. So he goes on and transitions. He, he, he come out of his, if you will, his mutinous. He come out where he couldn't speak, and all of a sudden the first thing he says is, blessed be the name of God. He revered God and brought him glory. Next in your notes, he remembered Gabriel's announcement. What was his announcement? I'm going to have a son. Elizabeth is going to have a son. I have to name him John. He is the forerunner of the Messiah. Do you think that brought about a little bit of excitement? This is a baby just been born. What would you think? Now, dads, moms, I know you have responsibilities here as well. But dads, in their culture, the Jewish men were the spiritual leaders of their household. That's the way it's supposed to be today in our culture as well. Did you know that? Because our culture is a biblical culture. Dad should be, must be the spiritual leader of his household. He is whether he does it or not. Did you know that, fathers? Mothers are right there to be the companion, the helpmate that God made. He said, well, not my family. Okay, he's supposed to be, right? You're supposed to be if you're a dad. He said, well, my son won't listen to me. You continue to discipline him, right? You continue to love him. If he's an older son, what do you do? You become, instead of the, don't you do it anymore, because you don't want to get hurt in the street, to, if I were you, this is what I would do. You become like a counselor to them. Because sons can be hard-headed. Amen? Amen? All you men were sons, right? (laughs) Sons can be hard-headed. Amen? Daughters can be hard-headed. Amen? Amen. Yes, that's right. To both and both. Because we were that. We were sons and daughters. And we have sons and daughters, maybe, if God's blessed us. But what do we do with that? Watch, this, watch what he did. He remembered Gabriel's announcement, so therefore he said, what am I going to do? I've got to raise this kid now. So we know he's going to get later in life. The responsibility now is tremendous. Not only am I leading God's people as a priest, now I have the personal responsibility of leading and teaching the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Could you imagine that? as a heavy lift. 
What pressure? Hey, you're responsible for training the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So what do you have to do if you're going to train the forerunner? You're training God. You're training God's trainer or God's messenger before the God comes. What would that force you to do? You better know what you're talking about. That's exactly right. So what are you going to do with your scrolls, everything you got? You're going to run all the way back to Genesis and grab those scrolls. Like, oh, God, I can't do this. And you're going to be like, what part of this do I have to remember? I remember that. And just like God speaks to us today, he spoke to Zechariah back then. And Zechariah was careful to take the scriptures and go, i got to teach this to John. Make a note of that because he did write, you know, because the Bible says he had a tablet, right? He had an iPhone as well and a tablet, right? And I'm just kidding. All right, so look, he, he had to write these things down. What will I teach my son? i got to teach him. I'm responsible for him. I'm his priest, but I'm also his father. And I've already been his prophet. Well, dads, let me ask you this. Are you ripping the Bible up like that? It's your responsibility to be the spiritual leader of your household. What about if your son has a big assignment? What if your daughter has a huge assignment in the future? You better get the word of God out and teach them the ways of God. They need to know Thus saith the word of God. Hey, Dad, what do I do when this happens? And if you ever had college students, you usually get those questions about 1 o'clock in the morning. Anybody ever been there? You get a text. I got this friend, and this is what they believe, and this is how they say, never go with current culture. Never go with the most popular preacher unless he preaches the word of God. Always go with the word of God. Thus saith the word of God. You'll never steer your children wrong when you lead them back to God's word. You say, well, I don't know enough then I would tell you to get off your can and get busy. Amen? If you can read or listen, then you can understand the Word of God if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian today, a lot of men, I don't understand that Bible. I can't understand the King James Bible. I need a new Bible that has better words in it. I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What is thy in that word? I've hidden, what is thy? Your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What is thee? You. So we do understand the King James language. It's just an excuse for not reading the Bible. I told you before that the King James Bible is written on the 11th grade reading level. Some people don't have a 7th grade reading level anymore because they don't try. What's that new word? I'm constantly trying to learn new words and new things. Google, I'll burn Google up. It's a joke in my house. Ask Google. I'm going to look and see if it's true. I want to find out. Is there does that reference to the Oxford Dictionary? Does it go back? I'm trying to find something out because I want to know. And when you learn something new, then you turn back around and what do you do with it? It's no good if you just learn it. You teach it. You've got to give it away. That's the way it is. Zechariah said that he observed all these years of training and all his seminary training, and now he's got to teach the forerunner of the Messiah. Well, let's keep you notes. He, remember, he revealed God had set his people free through redemption. Jesus is our redemption. We were bought with his Listen, with his blood, let's go back and look. If you would, hold your place. Let's look at a couple of these scriptures. It's very important that you see this for yourself. You say, well, I don't mark in my Bible. I was always taught not to mark in my Bible. I'd like to reteach and tell you to mark up your Bible. It's God's holy word for yourself, but if you don't, if it, bring, a, bring a notepad to church and take notes or, or get a copy of the bulletin and take notes because God might be trying to speak to you today. Ephesians chapter 1, let's look this up. Verse 7. And I know there's more before this and after. You should go read. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of what? His grace. Who redeemed us? Who bought us back? We were slaves to sin 
And the Bible says he came in and he redeemed us. He bought us back from our sin and ourself. It is through his blood that we've been redeemed. It's through his grace that he offers us the opportunity to be redeemed. This is the God that you and I serve. This is the God of Christmas. This is the Lord, listen, who died for you and me. This is the one that we're talking about and talking to others about. Go to Colossians, if you will, just a, just a little bit over. If you go to Colossians, look what the Word of God says. I should have marked mine ahead of time so I could be there before you get there. When you're there, say amen. Colossians chapter 1. All these are chapter 1s. Chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have, what's your word Bible say? Redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We can go on and on. You can read First Peter when you get home. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God who did everything for us? All we have to do is receive it. It's a gift. At Christmas, we understand this. We'll have Christmas trees in the sanctuary next Sunday. This place will be transformed by the worker bees. Usually the senior adults come in and they transform this place. Uh, Miss Thigpen, Miss Thigpen don't come in. Their whole teams, Bernard, usually there's a whole group of people in here that shouldn't be on ladders, that are on ladders, uh, stringing things up. It'll turn into a Christmas season. We understand the operation of Christmas child. We just gave those boxes away. We sent them overseas so that someone might receive a free gift and someone might actually receive the gift of salvation through the pamphlet or the information that's inside. We have church service today so that we could be here today to gather, to sing to the God that we talk about, to pray to the God that we talk about, and then to come and receive that free gift of salvation if we would only open up our hands and our hearts and receive it. What's your problem today, brother? What's your problem today, sister? Why have you not received that free gift of salvation? Why are you not walking lockstep with God knowing that it's he who offers you free grace. It's he who offers you the ability. The Bible says a measure of faith. It's he who gives you mercy. Saying I won't give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm going to give you my son Jesus Christ. Because he's already died on the cross for your sins. Won't you receive the free gift. And at Christmas could you imagine having all kind of gifts. And we exchange me with family. And somebody hands you a gift. You go man that's some nice wrapping. And you throw the gift behind the, the seat. Maybe your little ones come up and say, I made this for you. That is so precious and throw it behind the seat. If you never received a gift, you won't fully understand what's in the box. Amen? How do you know what's in the box? Receive the gift and tear it open. What's in the box for Jesus Christ? It's eternal life. For the wages of sin, Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Why does it make people mad? Some people look like this when you preach that. I don't believe all that stuff. Okay, what's your version? How's it working out for you? How's your peace? How's your patience? Got anger issues? Anxiety out the max? Do it yourself. Watch what you'll do. You'll self-destruct. But you do it God's way, and you always get God's results. That's what God was trying to teach Zechariah. Listen, I'm trying to tell you the way. Gabriel said, I'm trying to tell you the way. Gabriel had less patience than God. Remember, Gabriel is not, he's made from God, but he's made as a messenger, and also he brings about, he can bring the heat as well. God is the God of love. He sent a messenger, and Gabriel said, because you won't listen to me, you're not going to speak for nine months. What's this? It, keeps, it gets better and better. Zechariah, he rightly prophesied of the great, powerful one who would be the son of David and would bring salvation. His name is what, church? 
Jesus, John, Acts chapter 4, says there's no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved except the name of Jesus. He recalled the Davidic covenant. What's the Davidic covenant? David's covenant. What was the covenant? You shall always have someone on the throne. Out of your throne, David, will come the everlasting ruler. Who is that everlasting ruler? What's his name? Jesus Christ. He remembered that. Listen, in the verbiage, if you go back and read, he brings up the Davidic covenant. Now, he's not, what's his, what's his lineage? I told you earlier. Pastor Fell, what what's his lineage? Who's his, who's his upstream, if you will? His, who's his back? Aaron, the priest. He's of a priest lineage. His wife's of a priest lineage, so there's no possible way that his son can be the Messiah. Now, people could have thought that because we know that they do. They wonder if he's the Messiah later on. They wonder if he's Elijah later on. But we know that his backstory is that he's a priest. He can't. He didn't come through the lineage of David. So he calls up the Davidic covenant. Lord, you said that the throne of David, for our people, for us, there would always be that man, and that man was Jesus Christ. He referenced the holy prophets of God regarding the Messiah. He went back and said, Lord, your word says, I read in the scroll, Micah said this, and he goes through and he tells all about the prophets, because he even references the prophets in his worship. He's praising God, saying the prophets said he's coming. He talked about the Messiah, but he also talked about the forerunner, his son. If you notice, he rejoiced God was fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant. How does he wrap so much in just a few verses? The Davidic covenant, now the Abrahamic covenant. What's, and what are the people living under right now? They're struggling through. There's no temple that's been destroyed. What's going to happen shortly? I mean, the temple's going to be stored shortly. What are people living under today? The Jewish people. They try to go back to the Mosaic Covenant and say, well, we're not, we can't offer sacrifices because there's no temple because the Jew can't offer sacrifices unless he does it in the temple or she does it, has it offered in the temple. So what have they been doing for 2,000 years? They've come back and rabbis have revised it saying, well, our prayers are like sacrifices. So therefore, our prayers and good deeds or what pleases God. Is that what the Bible says? Where does a Jewish man or woman have to offer their sacrifices? In the temple. There's no other place. Can't do it on a high hill. Can't do it. There's no tabernacle anymore. There's no place to do it. So how can a Jewish person properly offer a sacrifice in the temple? They can't yet. But guess what's coming? A new temple is already... Listen, this is good news. If you listen to Israel today... The temple is already rebuilt in a warehouse bigger than this place. They've put it together. And they don't build like we build, like a foundation first and then the rebarn. They build block by block. Do you know, they actually quarry out a rock made just to be the cornerstone. By the way, did you know that Jesus is called the cornerstone? They already have the entire temple built. They're training all the actual priests. They've done lineage like the 23 and me or different things. that They've gone back and found out that all the people that are from Aaron's background and they're training them in seminaries how to be priests. They're teaching them how to sacrifice. Did you know that? This is happening today. Does that scare you? It gets me fired up. I won't yell, but I want to, just so you know. When I told you a couple weeks ago that the Catholic Church and the, and the, leading, the Pope and the leading imam shook hands and they built a mosque, they, built a, they call it a church, a Catholic church representing Christians. They don't represent me, by the way. Roman Catholics don't represent me at all. And then they built a Jewish synagogue, all on the same piece of property to show unity. And it's called the One World Religion Center. 
Does that get you excited or scare you? If you're not a Christian, it should scare you to death. It's coming. Listen, you look at the prices. Oh, there's another variant of COVID. Anybody scared? Someone asked me last week, what do you think about COVID? I said, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened at Town Creek Baptist Church. They're like, how could you say that? People have died from that. People have gotten sick. It has separated the wheat from the tares. You know what I'm saying? It's come to the place that we believe that we are saved by the grace of God. If I die, I'm absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, we take precautions, have we not? We've got air purifiers from NASA. We've got hand sanitizer in every window. We've got tissues everywhere. We've got soap. We've got all the things that we possibly can do to, to stave it off, right? We don't want it. But we don't fear it as well, church. Listen, by faith, that's how we walk. We're not concerned about what the government says. We're not concerned what popular uh, people say. Listen, we're not concerned even what the, the medical, the Pfizer says or Moderna. Do you understand? We're, we're, what is the, we try to do our best. Let's be educated about this. But we trust the Lord. If I get it tomorrow and die, guess what? You can say, see what a foolish preacher he was. Don't say that. Just say, see, he got it. He's standing in the presence of the Lord. He's seeing everybody else that's around the throne of God. He's having visitation. I'm going to see everyone, right? Don't mourn. We celebrate. We, we're wise, right? Wise as serpents, gentle as doves. I know it's a sore spot. Like we've lost loved ones. But here's what I want you to do. We have no fear. If you have fear, you've got to give that to God. Say, God, please take that away because I'm suffering from this. Listen, I'm, all this information that we get, like, they can eat you alive. Someone said, are you really ready for God to return? If someone asked you that question, what would you say? Absolutely. And start, as many descriptive words as I can say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Let's finish our notes and we'll be out of here. He recited a prayer of blessing over John. He looked to his son. Let me read that again. He looked to his son, and what did he say? What's this? He tells him, and you, child, verse 76, and you, child, will be the, called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of the salvation of, to his people by the remission of their sins. And he goes on and on, talks about, finishes out. Could you imagine a father saying that to his son? It's easier, like I said, when it's, when it's broader, when the priest is saying it to someone else's son. He's speaking this over his own son. By faith, he has to preach this to his boy. By faith, he has to, know, he has to teach his own son. And he prays this blessing. He proclaims this blessing over his child. And dad, you should be blessing your children. You should be praying blessings over your children. Asking God to rain down the goodness, the good things from heaven on your children. If you haven't done that, you say, well, I've never practiced that. Practice that around the table. Let them hear that you love them. Let them hear that you bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. He reminded the world, John, his only son, would be the forerunner of the greatest one who would ever walk the earth, Jesus the Messiah. He recognized the Creator God was giving mankind what we do not deserve, the ability to be guided by day springs light. John 1, through 5, John 1, 1 through 5 says Jesus Christ is the light. It said he came into darkness, and the darkness didn't like him, right? And the men, we love darkness. We love evil more than we love light. And we, his own people rejected it. But listen, aren't you glad that he gives us salvation today? We can receive the light of the world we can receive, and by the way, when we receive the light of the world, he turns it back around on us and says, now you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father, which is in heaven. Lastly, you see that John grew in spirit. He lived in the desert until his appointed preaching assignments. Well, let's talk about our assignments today before we get out of here. What is your assignment? Dads, 
I want you to stand. If you're a father and maybe your kid's already gone or maybe you lost a child. I don't know. You're a father. If it, if, stand before me. Thank you. Before the Lord. Here's what I want you to know. You have a responsibility for your children to bless them, to teach them the ways of God. You must get busy digging in the, in, into the Word of God so that you can give something back to them. Mothers, would you stand alongside? Mothers of all backgrounds. Likewise, you have the same responsibility. You have the responsibility to teach and to love. I'm going to ask everyone else to finish stand, if you would. Young people, you might be a father or mother one day, if God blesses you. You say, well, I don't, well, you don't know my situation. I don't. Didn't know their situation until I read it in the Bible. But you have a responsibility to know the Word of God. First, you have no responsibility to receive the Word of God. And when you're receiving that Word of God, you have a responsibility to give away that which you've learned. Because guess who taught you? The Bible says this, you have no need for a teacher. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He'll lead you in all things. You say, well, I don't understand that passage. And what you do, you ever had to eat cabbage or something awful when you were a kid? Brussels sprouts, asparagus, broccoli. What did your parents say to you? Just try it, right? And if you wouldn't try it, what did they do? It went to the next level with us. Oh, you're going to sit there until it gets cold. I don't care if it's cold. I don't care if it's tomorrow. You're going to eat that, right? If we would go that far for the nutrition and health of our children, how much further shall we go for the spiritual well-being of our children? Hey, this is the Word of God. We need to memorize this together. Let's do this together. Let's do have a project. Let's pray together. Let's pray over our meal, especially your meals. You should sit down and talk and laugh. Be silly, right? Not like this. So stoic. If you go to my house, you'll find out. You sure you're a pastor because we're laughing and acting crazy or having sarcasm, a little craziness, something? As Christians, we can have the best time in the world. We serve the God who created us. We can thank him every time we have a meal, every time we have a chance. We can praise him this morning. In his presence, let's stand. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for him, uh, that he would actually work in our lives and for you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we stand in your presence. I pray a blessing over your people. Lord, knowing that the Holy Spirit does his work when he wants to, how he wants to. Father, this morning I pray a blessing over every man, woman, boy, and girl, every young person standing in your presence. I pray a blessing on them, Lord, that they would receive the word of God and know that it's true that actually there is no other way under heaven whereby we must be saved except through Jesus Christ. Lord, would you save that soul that is far from you? Maybe some are here today and they don't want, they reject this wholeheartedly. They don't want it in their life because they've been hurt or they're having too much fun in sin, Lord, I pray you would cripple their heart, that they would have nowhere else to turn except to you. Lord, teach them your word. Teach them the joy of, your, of salvation in you. I pray for fathers and grandfathers. I pray for uncles. I pray for teachers. I pray for leaders. I pray for mothers and grandmothers and aunts. And those that are cousins, Lord, I pray for those that are leaders. I pray that we all might, Lord, learn your word, receive your word, learn your word, and then, Lord, give your word away that we might be followers of the Most High. Like Zechariah, Lord, we will fulfill what you called us to do. There's a specific place for us to go. There's a specific people for us to speak to. And, Lord, if we're not equipped, Lord, we won't be there with them or at the right place at the right time. Help us, Lord, be mindful to do your will. Help us put the effort. Help us to eradicate apathy in our hearts and our heads. We need your help because, Lord, we're human and we fail. It seems like we fail daily. 
Father, with you all things are possible, the word says. And I pray for my brothers and my sisters, those who are not Christians yet, pray for them. Father, you would change their hearts, that we might change, Lord, the world, one person at a time. We pray these things this special season and in the special name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen and amen.